in the digital reality, evolution over revolution prevails. The QA approaches and techniques that worked yesterday will fail you tomorrow. So free your mind. The automation cyborg has been sent back in time. TED Speaker Jonathan Wright's mission is to help you save the future from bad software. This podcast is brought to you by Eggplant. Eggplant help businesses to test, monitor, and analyze their end-to-end customer experience and continuously improve their business outcomes. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Paul Gerrard. I've known Paul for over 20 years. He's a thought leader in the space. He's won multiple Lifetime Achievement Awards. Coming from Oxford and Imperial College, He also is the founder and host of the Technology Leadership Forum. And he's been involved with me for running things like the Testing Festival. He was the program chair for Eurostar back in 2014. And he's got extensive experience when it comes to quality assurance and test assurance. And today we're going to be talking about chat GPT for testers. So what are those use cases? You know, you've had the chance to have 24 hours of use, hands-on use. You know, in your opinion, you know, what have you seen as as great uh, capabilities that have kind of come out within GPT-4 that people should be aware of? Well, I I think the way I'd look at it is it's made me feel more confident. I can get some real value out of it. So I played with version 3.5, had some fun with it, uh, asked it some questions, talked about requirements and looking to test requirements, uh, looked at generating some code, there's some interesting stuff, and then said, well, can I generate the tests? And so it could. Uh, And then test data, and so it could. And it seemed to me that the the building blocks are beginning to emerge of how you can put... um, if you like, a complete test process together, but you can put a complete software development process together. It's going to help in all sorts of areas. What, and it's a bit like a its a box of tools that we haven't got the manual for yet. And we've got to figure it out as we go along and learn. So there's obviously uh, multiple formulas to be used to do intelligent tasks and to shift intelligence, uh, tasks that require intelligence onto the tool. Now, what I did yesterday is I managed to get uh, access to version four, ChatGPT four, uh, and I'm just looking at generating content for a website, and it's it's remarkable uh, in that what I'm beginning to believe is that what we do as users of these these products is we are, if you like, specifiers, and so we have to prepare uh, the tool uh, with some background information. We need to uh, suggest that uh, these are what I'm trying to achieve in the next five, 10 minutes. Uh, these are the things that I want you to talk about. These are the questions I want you to answer and just, just give it all this information. Now, a lot of this can be driven by the need to uh, get yourself up the search rankings in Google, if you're, because it's a web page, of course. And so you can use Google AdWords to tell you what keywords are really critical and then add those to the list of things that this article should mention. Uh, and if, if you like, what we're doing when we're using tools like this, and I'm just talking about generating web content, what we're actually doing is specifying what uh, the tool should do for us. 
And it, in the same way, it's it's a bit like specifying code and, and writing code. Uh, I don't know what the exact relationship is, but I feel that what I'm trying to do is I'm defining some preconditions, you know, some input data that exists, some rules that you've got to follow, some uh, features that you've got to deliver and implement, uh, the messages you want to get out, and so on and so forth. And then you let the tool do its do its thing. And so I think you have to think much more like a, a specifier than a copywriter. And so uh, if you like, the way you, you draft a, um, a packet of work for a copywriter, you're doing exactly the same thing, but for ChatGPT. I think there's some variation in how you do that, and there's some mechanisms you can use to make it really quite slick. For example, the keyword keywords. If you keep key, if if the keywords are relevant to you and the content on your website, one of the things you can do is say mention these keywords, and then when you get the copy, uh, to replace all those keywords with the keyword with a link on it, so it will point to one of your web pages and so on and so forth. And so it seems to me that the whole notion of creating copy can be automated to a degree uh, or specifying it is manual, okay, intellectual, let's say. The generation of it is, is, is can be automated, but that's kind of 90%. That's all the sweat, you know, the perspiration, not inspiration stuff. Um, and then with a little bit of automation, you can take that content and scan it for all the links that you want to have, which will point to stuff that you really want to introduce to the your audience. And so just thinking about producing copy for a web page, uh, I think what will emerge over the next few months is um, publicly shared processes for generating excellent web content. Because what I've read so far, it's really good. Uh, being being a, a Brit, you know, like you, we are slightly... Uh, less uh, arrogant or we are more modest or whatever in how we talk about the stuff we're interested in and passionate about. Whereas the Americans obviously have a, have a have a knack of being a bit more, I won't say pushy, but you know what I mean. I did say pushy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but so so it's like really kind of, it takes a burden off you in that uh, you don't have to sort of uh, agonize over what to say in text. And a lot of writing is struggling over a single sentence to craft a message uh, that is going to have meaning. And of course, you know, ChatGPT isn't perfect. You know, you have to read what it produces and you're going to tinker and edit with it, edit it, I'm sure, from here or there. But just for producing copy, um, I'll never go back to doing this manually. You know, uh, that's it. I I'm done with that. Now, you know, would I write an article in the same way? Not so sure. Because one of the things that you, you're, you're living off, you know, with ChatGPT is it's only... Uh, using stuff it's already found on the internet to generate stuff you know, anew. Now, that's great if you are uh, defining a business that's been done a million times before with products that it's it's known about, it's got millions of references and so on. That's fine. But if you're trying to introduce a new idea to the industry, and, you know, between us, you know, we, we work hard to try and be original in this respect, you've still got that problem, you know, so you still have to, I, I, so I'd be reluctant to take a, a commission to write 3000 word article and say, well, give me a few keywords. I'll press a button. And I'll have it. I'll have it to you within the hour. I don't think that's, that's, that's viable, but I've no doubt people are going to be doing that. 
Yeah. And, 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 I think and there are there are checkers which can spot AI as being as being here, if you know what I mean. But again, <laughs> something I saw in something I saw in passing um was ChatGPT is very close to fooling those those checks or passing those checks. So uh, in, historically, we've had link checkers on HTML pages, but now we've got uh, kind of uh, crafted by AI checks, <laughs> which which I think there's going to be a like a a, a a war between them of like uh, uh, you know how clever can Chat GPT get? How can how clever can the checkers get? And so on and so forth. But I'm really excited about it, and there's lots more more to do with that. I've just talked about uh, web page uh, generation, but um, I'm having ideas all over the dartboard, you know, for stuff that we could do with it, and you know, we can explore some of those as well. I I think too. I know, and I, I love it, and I love that you've kind of targeted the kind of the digital grind, the tasks that you do, which, like you said, put a, sometimes are just the uh, procrastinating of around a sentence or something like that. I, and, you know, and maybe those items can disappear. You know, I remember back in 2012 when I did uh, a, a keynote at Star West, I talked about banning all email and that email took tw 2012 years per day just in the US alone was spent reading emails. Obviously, that's going to dramatically increase, you know, for it to read your emails, identify the tasks that need to be done, push those into a, a backlog and then start helping you through assisting you to get some of those tasks because 90% of them are digital grind, maybe are paper pushing, you know, a proxy of information across. But I think you've hit the, the nail on the head in the sense of, well, original content is slightly different. Now, if you're wanting to feed into it, say for instance, this conversation we're having right now, um, we want to transcribe it and then pass that over and say, I'm going to give you a piece of text. I would like you to summarize, you know, well, what are the main talking points? What are the, you know, the use cases for generative AI for testers, right? And you talked about, you know, leading it into that kind of area. And I think a new model for testing, when you put that together, one of those was sources of knowledge. Now, the internet is a source of knowledge. However, you know, I think where we've seen the shift from, traditional manual following scripts to exploratory and having like a mission or a charter to say, okay, well, I'm going in this with, I'm going to check payment processing, um, you know, and that's my mission today. In a way, you've got missions every day. And can ChatGPT help the average tester to have superpowers to be able to maybe write automation when they're not fluent with automation or write a, an API test or write a requirement. Do you see testing use cases coming out of this? Um, absolutely. Um, so what's been demonstrated when the on the um, uh, the feed that the chat GPT guys put out a couple of nights ago, uh, they demonstrated. Uh, a couple of things. One was a sketch on a on the back of a napkin of a web uh, application, which from just uploading a scan of that picture, this hand-drawn, badly drawn picture, it generated a workable web page, which basically told jokes and not very sophisticated. But that's kind of clever. But by the same token, if you upload an image of a screen, you know, of a, of a screen you're going to test, um, you can say, describe in minute detail everything you see, in particular paying, and I'm just thinking aloud now, but you can say in particular paying attention to the labels of the fields, which give you the name of the field, the structure of the field, the size, whether it's numeric, whether it's text, whatever, if you can identify that, 
uh, and start thinking about uh, how you would test uh, validation, input validation on those fields. Now, you wouldn't do it in that way, perhaps. You'd probably do it in stages. And and so, but what you might end up with is like a table of all the fields, their names, their formats, and then say, right, I've got my secret source, which I've uploaded just now to, to chat GPT, which says how you test dates, how you test uh, currencies, how you test um, uh, booleans in combination. But, uh, and you could give it some uh, heuristics, dare I say, and then say, use those heuristics to generate as many test cases that you think have value without duplication. Go. And it will generate many more test cases than you probably think of for yourself if you had no other support, if you had no other hints than, than your head, what's in your head. Uh, so I can certainly see that. And with, with code, it's better than that because you can upload the code and say, generate a, a covering set of tests. Now, right now, um, we need, what, what's missing is it'll just generate some tests. You think, well, what does that cover? It looks like 50 test cases of a, of a 50 line piece of Java or Python or whatever it is. And it will generate the code to actually run the tests. You know, so the unit tests will just get generated. Now that's probably better than what developers are doing right now because they they don't like testing their developer and so on. But um, if you also give it some uh, additional information, like we measure coverage by looking at the pathways through code that exercise the outcomes of decisions. Now you probably have to formulate formulate that definition in a more user friendly or chat GPT friendly way. But if you could you could define a coverage measure and then say generate tests that achieve 100% branch coverage in this code, go. And that is almost certainly better than the level of testing that any developer today would uh, try and uh, achieve, unless they were in the high integrity uh, arena with tools that measured coverage and all that kind of game. And, and that's really important. But I think uh, somebody who doesn't have those tools could achieve quite a lot without them. And the nice thing about it is you can keep that conversation and the outputs from it. And if the code changes, you edit the code and say, regenerate those tests. Throw away all the code you've just generated. You don't need that anymore. It's only a means to an end. And so you could do have a kind of a, um, you could, it would fit very nicely into a uh, test-driven development uh, regime as well. As you write the code, you generate the test as you go. And the, the one thing the developers hate doing is writing tests and running them. And yet that's what it's going to do for you. And if, if at the very least, you're going to have a very good regression set because you could craft the specification of the testing by saying, create tests that cover the code changes we've just made. Just do it. You know, I mean, like getting developers to do that is like, you know, you, it's almost impossible, you know, and although... Developers know TDD is has value. They still see it as more time-consuming than uh, writing writing the code, running a few tests, shipping it. Uh, so yeah. I think there's fantastic opportunities. Um, right now, you can't upload images into ChatGPT. They've not released that, but they demonstrated it as a capability. I think they're they're doing the safety thing. It might be months before we get that, but when we do get that, that would be really interesting. So you yeah. and, code, and, and, and you can look at images of of uh, web pages or uh, you know mobile apps and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's it's really interesting. I'm not saying exciting. It is exciting because it's fun, but 
Um, is it going to is it going to take over the world? Don't know, but it's getting there. It really is getting there, which is remarkable. And it is, yeah. And and so <clears throat> back at Automation Guild, I did a demo around eggplant generating some gherkin syntax. So originally, it was a quote from Jason about is stock price uh, a, a reference for quality you know um which was obviously quite fictional but it was it was played uh it was on a thread with alan page and so i created um a, you know a good asked it to create a gherkin script to how i would find out the stock price of microsoft i then created that gherkin uh, script into a model so a model-based testing approach so I created a model and then out of that model i then asked it to go off and generate the not only the code to write the actual application which would go off and find the stock prices over the last 12 months for for Microsoft and and visualize it on an app so it built the actual app itself but it then also uh created all the selenium scripts for each one of the pages ran those and validated them with similar kind of things uh and tested under the hood at the API level and and you know actually that was chat gpt 3.5 but actually you've hit a bit of a, a nail on the head that actually from a requirements engineering perspective and a test pass, test impact analysis, if I've said actually, you know, I want only want to know, uh, be I want to be sent an alert whenever the stock price drops by X percent, I would refine the requirements. I'd make changes to requirements. Of course, that would have a test impact on what the tests are. It would also have to regenerate the code from a whole SDLC, from an organic kind of, you know, the bit of code test. Uh, you know, uh, the, this impossible kind of triangle that we've had before uh, and requirements, how do we manage that in a really good way? Actually, you're starting to see how these large language models could actually apply. Now, where I think it's really interesting, I think you just hit it on the head with the TDD. If you, you know, remember kind of where Dan North went with the, the behavior-driven development, then the next step, you know, acceptance test-driven development and people like, you know, Elizabeth Hendrickson, you know, they'd have at the top, you know, this field must not be, you know, it can't be a negative value or it couldn't, it should not be, you know, uh, uh, transfers over a thousand euros or something. You know, part of it is there's some rules that would be put in there, which are more context specific. And I think this is where actually I think ChatGPT comes into its own, because if you're not familiar with derivatives or FX, you know, and you're going through and testing an application which is doing some money transfer and you're expecting it to go into a certain currency in another account, how do you test that without understanding all the flows around FX? Actually, mm. now you can say to it, I'm testing a financial exchange. I'm going to do a transfer of 100 euros into $100, which is pretty much the same money now. But, you know, in actual fact, how would I test it? What do I need to think about? What are the edge cases of, okay, if, you know, the FX changes tomorrow, of course, the numbers are going to be different. I'm going to have to validate different numbers. So I always need to be going off to uh, an Oracle to find some information. So mm. I'm going to call it meta modeling for a second because it's metadata supported into the modeling process fed in from something like ChatGPT. But do you see it being addressing the context aware camp off? Well, you need to understand the domain as well as the actual testing discipline because you've got all this additional knowledge you can do banking into you know investment banking you can do legal you can do medical you know we it's past the bar it's an, a medical outperforms a medical doctor after five years you know it's past istqb does that mean it's a better tester but does it is it a better than a lawyer right so 
do you see combining both of those as a potential next step? I I think you can do that now. Yeah, I, I, I if you like, again, I'll, I'll just use the example of writing copy. If if you like, what the first step is to define the context. So uh, here is here is the text introducing this organisation on its home page. Here is the mission statement of this organisation's. Write me an article that encourages people to volunteer to be part of it, and so on and so forth, and, and drive it like that. But what 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 is the purpose of putting, um, you know, the, the the homepage text and the mission statement up there up front? Is that's defining the context. So in the same ways, when you have a piece of code, you could say, here's a piece, here's fifty lines of code, and I'm going to test. Fantastic. Here's some context to the application. It's foreign exchange. It's this and that and the other. And there's probably some standard text you could uh, lift from a document already in the organization if if it's if it's well specified, let's say. And you could add all that as context. And now test in the context of um, a user uh, using this uh, application to transfer a billion dollars from A to B. It's incredibly so make damn sure this works. I mean, you're basically encouraging it to think very seriously about uh, a very deep and thorough level of testing. Now, I don't know. I mean, let's let's say it thinks it doesn't think it's not a human. But uh, if it if it has the, the data to think deeply about questions of risk and um, potential and, and probability and of of failure and the consequences of failure to drive tests. Um, world your oyster. That's much better than any human can do right now, hmm. you know, because the context might be super complex, you know, and not many people understand everything they need to know about testing the software they've got in front of them. They might say, well, I'm a systems tester. I can test anything. Sure. But are they a business domain expert? Probably not. Uh, have they experience of failures in the past of this application? Not to the degree that you could upload a list of uh, all the bugs that have ever occurred in this uh, application and say, pick the bones out of that. Now, right now, you can't do that. You can't just throw, you know, um, massive quantities of data at, at ChatGPT. But that day will come, you know. And so uh, it seems to me it's only going in one direction. I can't think... I'm not thinking very deeply about it yet, but I can't think of anything superficially that it couldn't do that would support a human tester. You know, I, I you know, I think there's value right across the piece in defining requirements, in writing code, in creating tests, in refining tests, in uh, encouraging it to think about uh, coverage in certain ways. Um, and if if you have a formal specification, you can just give it the formal specification. And just let it pick the bones out of that. So if you if you define everything in terms of X machines or state transition, uh, state transition table, state table, and just say, give me a covering set of tests for this state table, it'll just do it. I think it knows enough to do that. I haven't tried that, but my expectation is it will be able to do that. But this is the kind of thing that we need to experiment with and explore. So, but right now I'm kind of excited uh, that. The possibility is there to do some really, really clever stuff, really clever yeah. stuff. And and I think to your last point, and I think this is where I see the natural evolution of this, is you think of all those organizations that have got all those requirement specifications, they've got all those 
historical bugs. They've got all those test cases that they've written. They've got all this documentation. They've got all these Visio diagrams. They've got all these CMDB kind of databases of information. Once you're able to get that metadata down to a, a consumable format, then you can train it against that by saying, here's you know my uh, current requirements uh, specification. Is there any, you know, is it ambiguous? You know, is there any holes in it? Learn this the way that we do payment processing with our rules, which is different to maybe the external sources of knowledge from systems, ex uh, which it's learned from the internet facing. Because of course your special source is maybe documented in your own uh, internal resources. So I can see people in the way we've got pr public and private cloud starting to deploy these kind of models within their own organization and learn their organization. And then the, the you know, the uses of from HR to infrastructure, you know, deploy me this in one of our, you know, VPN locations, it will understand a lot more. Of course, that is a few years off. But I think what we've, we've taken from this, which is obviously day one experience, is that we've got to learn to be able to ask the right questions a bit like yeah. the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you know say if you ask it what the, the <laughs> meaning of life is it'll come back with or what the infinite question is it'll come back with 42 i think we need to get better at well what are the questions and the string patterns that we need to ask and how we refine that to maximize our usefulness of this and then understanding limitations of what can it do what can't it do? What shouldn't it do from an ethical perspective, right? We're not looking at just removing people by replacing them. It's actually human augmentation. And if anything, it's augmented testing through the power of being able to provide testers with superpowers. And say, you know, that's where, you know, I, you know, I'd like, you know, maybe we'll revisit this in a, a later podcast once it's got image-based capabilities. <laughs> and yeah, or it might have even written it because it does support text to video. So in theory, yeah. if it does text to avatar, then we're out of a job uh, as well <laughs> because we'll be digitalizing our testers like Jason's yeah. thinking about from test. Testers got AI. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's so fascinating about it. So. You're absolutely right. We need to understand how to have a conversation. It's a conversation. So it's not like, uh, here's some code, test this, press a button, it's done. No, it's never going to work that way. Well, I don't think it's ever going to work that way, not in my lifetime anyway. Um, so so you're quite right. One of the things is the questions we ask and say, oh, have you? don't forget to think about this. Don't forget to think about that. And there's also the notion of uh, principles or rules that it that sh should follow. So, you know, you remember the little black book I wrote with axioms in. Now, some people don't agree there are axioms in testing. Well, fine. Uh, I think they help. But I, I, what I might actually do is, is there are 16 axioms in the little book. Post those into ChatGPT. Give it some context about uh, a project and then say, write me a test strategy. <laughs> uh, I made my living for about 15 years writing test strategies of some scale. And I, I honestly think a lot of it was not, uh, you know, copper plate, not templated, and, and, you know, and, and but the thought process was the complex stuff. And then the context came in and drove the content as it was generated. Um, I, I, that would be an interesting little exercise to do, uh, you know, over a couple of hours and to see what it would come up with. Because uh, you could limit it and say, look, write it in three pages. And we, we'd all love to see mm -hmm. test plan strategies, you know, where, where they have to be produced. 
nice and compact and short. And I think the potential is there for it to do a much better job than we we would do in the in terms of the text. Mm-hmm. So, but but you're right. So there's the questions we ask. The the uh, let's let's use the word axioms. You know, rules, principles, call them what you like. You know, that it should apply. That it, the constraints, if you like. Uh, then there's purposes, whatever, and it's a bit like a specification. And but the conversation is trying to get that specification out of your head in a in a fuzzy way into the tool in a structured way. And that will take two or three or more iterations to do that. And I think it's a conversation that leads to an output. And you might not actually get the output uh, immediately. You might have to have a half hour to and fro refining the spec before you say, go, give me, give me, give me the final result. Or give me an outline and I'll look at the outline and now write the full thing. You know, so... Uh, I, I think these processes that we haven't had to do before uh, are accelerated, that's for sure, because how long would it take to get a strategy out the door? Months, weeks sometimes. Sorry, weeks and months sometimes, uh, because you need to have meetings with senior people and they're not available. And if you can pick their brains in a way that if you can get them to articulate what they want, it's usually very simple. The more senior you go, the less content they need to provide. But if you've got that, uh, I think there's opportunities to do some remarkable stuff. And it doesn't, not limited to testing, of course. I mean, it could do all sorts of things. So, um, uh, yeah, I was a bit of a skeptic a year or two ago, uh, but I'm getting quite excited about it now because it, it's it's moved on so quickly, hasn't it? Uh, and every week there's new, new, new announcements. And, and I think, you know, one of the things you did last year with the terminologies side of things is actually it's using the correct understanding the language, right? So, you know, these the fits really nicely definition. into the keywords yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, and all sorts of that stuff. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, definitely going to use that. Sorry, are you interested? Oh, no, no, I, I think, you know, I'll put a link in for that actual kind of terminology lookup and the different definitions that are used within ISO, uh, ISTQB, different, different language that's used because we all describe things in different ways even in different companies so a test case a test script you know they can all have different multiple meetings depending on which viewpoint you are what persona you are so actually bridging that gap and and maybe even chat gpt extending into understanding definitions and i'm hopefully it's even indexed your uh your little terminology link uh, to actually allow us to kind of bridge those gaps so that everyone understands what they mean when they say x y z in in terminology from from testing but also yeah. understand the breadth of maybe terminology and especially abbreviations that are used within an organization. So feeding those kind of meta models in, I think actually we start harmonizing this kind of the terminology that we use and actually in the understanding that we're using. And and what I think you've kind of said, which has actually blown my mind slightly, is that actually if you do this from an enterprise scale, then these models are refined by multiple augmented intelligence from humans in the loop. Yeah. So yeah. a stakeholder is conversing with a with chat GPT to say, well, actually, you know, we're now very good. We're going to have to increase the risk level on this before it goes to market because actually the insurance now won't cover us. So they make a decision at a high level. That means many things for many other teams. They're all refining this model of, well, what is it that the goal is of the organization and the mission, like you kind of said, actually that can change based on appetite for investment, uh, you know, the, the current tech climate, 
reduction in skills based on jobs that have been maybe lost and knowledge that's been lost within an organization that still exists in hopefully documentation if depending on how they read the agile manifesto but you know part of it is that now can be fed back in to actually allow this brain of your organization to actually continuous learn about how things change within your organization how it needs to be tested and provide a level of assurance i think i i think I mean, there are products, not testing products, but there are products uh, now becoming available which will scan the content of all the documentation in your organization, for example. Um, and most companies still have an awful lot on paper, but a lot of it is digital, of course. Uh, and then interpreting stuff from that. Uh, but I still think there's a requirement for humans to put their, <laughs> if you like, they should be doing um, uh, context, mission statements, goals, risks, that, and that's all low, usually low quantity of, of data, but it's critical to everything else that follows. Now, all the detail is stuff that computers can do better than humans. But we should be concentrating on the, you know, on the big the big picture, you know, the mission, the risks, goals, money, people, big things, you know. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I can't see a limit to where this is going, uh, which is, makes me sound like a... Um, a real evangelist, and, I'm, and I don't mean to be like that. I just think it's so. The last few weeks have opened my eyes to what is potentially possible, and a lot of it we can't do yet. But you know, we're going to get there. You know, we just we're definitely five years time. We won't be having this conversation. It'll all be well. We're doing this all the time now. You know, it, it, it's not going to go away. It's 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 like a juggernaut. It's um, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I have to say, I have to say so. So yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, well, we'll check back and in a few weeks, and we'll see, you know, how it's progressed on, and if we can find any more use cases that we can share with um, the audience. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>